latest episode of Pinnacles NFL Insights. I'm your host, Eric Eager uh, of Sumo Sports, and I'm with PFF data scientist Ben Brown to help guide you through the world of the NFL with week-to-week reflections and projections. And to, to get to the reflections part, Ben, week 11 was a little bit crazy, right? We had Pat's Jets was a privilege for most of the game, and then Marcus Jones runs the, the punt back for a touchdown. Now they're both at 6-4. and four. Uh, battling for a spot at the uh, bottom of the AFC playoff race. Uh, We had the Raiders closing uh, at plus 134 to beat Denver uh, and and winning outright, uh, coming back from behind and winning, uh, sweeping uh, the Denver Broncos uh, to go to three and seven, letting Denver fall to three and seven. And then we had some, you know, some contenders do some things, right? The Chiefs uh, with a, with a Patrick Mahomes uh, game winning touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. They sweep the chargers effectively uh, clinch their seventh straight AFC West title. You're the Eagles having to come back on, on the Colts. Uh, they were underdogs going into the fourth quarter in that game. And then your beloved Vikings at, at eight and one, but underdogs at home uh, to the Dallas Cowboys get thrashed 40 to three. And what was a mismatch the entire time? Uh, ben, what, what was your reaction to this week's games? I mean, my initial reaction is you immediately bringing up contenders and then going straight to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know that, you know, you might get some flack for it on Twitter and other avenues, but uh, I think it fits right. I think that the Chiefs have shown very much that they are, you know, for all intents and purposes, the best team in the NFL right now. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon with Patrick Mahomes, that quarterback for them. Right. I think even with the Bills maybe getting back to full strength in their secondary and those sorts of things that might even uh, I would say the playing field in some ways, but uh, I still think the chiefs are very much the class of the, you know, overall NFL uh, and should kind of be approached in that manner. And then it's depends on, you know, where and how you evaluate some of these teams in the NFC. But I don't know, from my perspective, I know we both have tried to always do this, but never re- never overreacting, I would say, to uh, you know the best performances from some teams and also the worst performances of some teams. And I think you definitely had that, you know, happen quite a bit in week 11, specifically, you know, the Cowboys and Vikings, uh, you know, and, and how to kind of approach them, you know, coming up on this Thanksgiving slate is, you know, I would say kind of the pertinent betting question that we, you know, have to answer, I would say, coming up here in week 12. Uh, yeah, it, it was, um, you know, it was just a weird week, right? Like you had, um, you know, yeah, you the one I think when you look at the team that really wanted to have that game back, uh, it had to be the New York Jets, right? When you're looking at right. Zach Wilson just not being able to move the football, the first matchup of the Patriots, he throws three interceptions, moves the ball okay. Second matchup, he doesn't. I mean, he threw some balls that should have been intercepted. Um, but, you know, he comes back um, and, and just simply can't move the football. Uh, and, you know, I think. Yeah, and they kind of had, and they kind of had the Jets, or the Jets kind of had the Patriots, right? Like they got a lot of the breaks in that game. Nick Folk missed two field goals in situations where, you know, maybe Bel- Belichick shouldn't have kicked. Uh, you know, one of those field goals, but like they, they kind of got the breaks to even have like not their best performance and, and still potentially win this game. And then they kind of, you know, lost it at the end with the punt return and everything else, but very much, I would say, you know, an indictment on, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, where he's, you know, maybe going to land as an NFL starting quarterback here, but I don't know what, what do you make of the jets at least uh, like, what is their best option this year and going forward at the quarterback position? Do you think it's a move off of Zach Wilson or, like what, what, what would you do in that situation? I think you have to, the hard part is, is once you make a change from that guy, I think you really have to, you just have to move on. Cause like, you know, they're, they're, they're still going to have a stacked roster. Right. Um, you know, sauce Gardner has been one of the best rookies in all of football this year. 
Garrett Wilson as well. Um, you know, before he was injured, Brees Hall was having a good year. Like they're going to be a good roster next year. It, you don't want to go into next year with Zach Wilson. So you're going to have to go into next year with a different option, which means you're the, the fifth year option decision on Zach Wilson is almost always going to be a no. Right. Uh, and, and in which case you've already moved on. So I, I think that they play out the string with him. If he can improve, then obviously, you, you know, you take that for what it's worth moving forward. But then if he doesn't improve, then obviously you have to move on and go for somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe you take another shot. I know they lost the sweepstakes for Kirk Cousins in 2018, but uh, he'll certainly, I think, be available via a trade, given how he's playing in Minnesota and their options. Um, so I think that they have to move on from him. But it's just such a good discussion. And I think it it plays into, you know, speaking of Kirk Cousins, the Vikings opened the season 23, 44 to 1. To win the Super Bowl, they're now 14 to one tied with the Ravens. I do want to talk about the Ravens in the outright markets, right? Because when you look at their schedule, it is you know re- you know relative to the Bengals, their main competitor in the AFC North. The Bengals right. have a murderer's row of teams, right? right? They got Tampa Bay on their schedule. They have um, you know they have Kansas City on their schedule. They have Tennessee this week uh, on the road. Um, just you know Buffalo as well. The Ravens have one team with a winning record left on their schedule. They, to me, they're the one that could challenge the Chiefs for the one seed in the AFC. And they're sitting here at just, you know, open the season 23 to one. They're just 14 to one now, Ben, with a MVP caliber quarterback. What do you think about the 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 Ravens chances here in kind of a stacked AFC, at least at top? Right. I think if they're going to get up and actually challenge some of these teams, they very much need to, I would say, still kind of have Rashad Bateman emerge as, you know, a, a number one wide receiver option. I think we saw it, you know, once again in this matchup in week 11, they did thankfully have Mark Andrews back in the fold. But, you know, without Rashad Bateman, they're just, you know, it's basically the Demarcus Robinson show at the wide receiver position, which is, 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 I would say, you know, okay in some of these regular season matchups. And like you said, 29th most difficult, you know, schedule remaining here. So you can do those sorts of things against the Carolina Panthers. But if you want to go toe to toe against, you know, Buffalo and Kansas City, and I would say even Cincinnati, like they, they very much need, uh, you know, I would say more offensive pass catching weapons outside of Mark Andrews. And I don't know if they have that if Rashad Bateman can't necessarily emerge. And then the other, I would say, I would maybe issue I have with Baltimore is I think their, their secondary is still kind of living a little bit on name recognition alone. I don't really think, you know, they've, I, I, I would say kind of lived up to their billing. And if they're struggling as well, they're relying even more on, you know, Lamar Jackson to need to have some of these MVP type performances every single week. And I think we've seen, you know, in years past when that's kind of been uh, the makeup for how they actually emerge victorious in some of these win, some of these games against teams that are, you know, on the same tier as them, that that's when things start to break off in the playoff times. And that's when they start to see, you know, the first round exits and everything else. So I still think that, you know, it, it's very much, you know, I would like to buy into Baltimore, but I would say the 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 remnants of where they've been in the past, I don't think have changed to the point where uh, I necessarily think that there's a different outcome for them here in 2022. So I don't know. I, I might be wrong and, and bearish on that, but that's my initial read on Baltimore right now. I would say. Yeah, Bateman out for at least, I, I believe he was put on IR. I can't remember if it's season ending. Yes, yeah, so like, I don't think it was season ending, but I think he was, you know, obviously going to be out four games. He's already, he's already been out a couple, but like, you know, if and when he returns is, you know, what state is that offense going to be in? I would guess, yeah, be, you yeah, know, exactly. kind of a question. And without Gus Edwards to be that downhill runner, they're depending upon Kenyon Drake. On offense, I, I think defensively they're great, but it's hard to win with defense in the NFL, especially through an AFC that has, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Tua playing so well with, with Miami, but also Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes being 
the sort of like God tier guys in the NFC, you know, uh, you know, we've had sports book operators say flat out that they believe the Niners uh, are uh, should be favored against an average team, you know, against basically any team in the NFC on a neutral field. We saw them, you know, blow up Arizona Monday night. Um, I do think from a roster standpoint, you grade out the players. They're about as good as anybody. Jimmy Garoppolo is always the squeaky wheel, but he's played well this year. I think he's right. playing with reckless abandon, knowing he's probably not coming back to the Niners next year, playing for his next job. Ben, when you think about the NFC, you know, it's it's kind of a three-team race. Maybe Tampa Bay can get in the mix. It's the Niners. It's the Eagles. It's the Cowboys. Of those three teams, Ben, which one would you would you like to see uh, you know, make the Super Bowl out of this conference? Yeah, I think the the most two interested teams and the ones that I think can either knock off Kansas City or Buffalo or the AFC representative is very much San Francisco or Dallas, right? I think, you know, defensively with what Dallas has been able to put forth from a pressure rate perspective, I do think they have, you know, the best front four in football right now, especially when trying to generate, you know, pressure situations. Uh, and I think that, you know, the, the, the the concerns or issues that people have with Trayvon Diggs, I would say, are, have kind of been put to bed this year specifically. I think he's been really good. I think he kind of, you know, they have relied, you know, I would say pretty heavily in this cover two type scheme. So he is getting a little bit help, of help over the top, but I think it's working for them. And I think with the pressure situation and everything else, like their defense is very much, I would say, you know, on par with what San Francisco brings forth. And then it comes down to, you know, the offensive weapons. And I think if, you know, you're looking at Dallas right now, they're clearly, you know, a, a few steps behind the San Francisco 49ers outside of the quarterback position. Maybe Odell Beckham Jr. shifts, uh, you know, the tide a little bit in their direction. But if they're not willing to give, you know, Tony Pollard 50% of the offensive snaps and something, you know, close to 50% of the rush attempts and have him be involved in the passing game as well, they do very much need a secondary wide receiver option outside of CeeDee Lamb, I would say, to actually I would say get through the NFC right now and beat a team like San Francisco. So I am thinking that it's I would maybe put Dallas a little bit ahead of San Francisco, that, but that's probably pending, you know, the Odell Beckham situation. Then also, you know, how do they resolve still, uh, you know, the situation at running back? Because I think it's clear that they are a much better offense overall with Tony Pollard on the field. And if they are going to continue to, you know, rest on some of their priors uh, and still trot out, you know, Ezekiel Elliott Ezekiel out there for 65 to 70% of the snaps, like I think that's going to hinder their offense. And I think that's when San Francisco, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and all things considered, are probably the best team in the NFC still. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, we'll, we'll get to see, you know, the Niners' problem has been consistency. That's why – and staying healthy, and that's why they're only 64 right, uh, right now. Um, and and still, you know, I think they have the tiebreaker over the Seattle Seahawks right now, but they're still in a in a slug match uh, to win that, that NFC West, uh, even with the Rams faltering so poorly, already going under their season win total. Um, you know, Sunday's games aren't the greatest. I do want to talk about two of them, but let's talk about all three of the Thursday games, all three of Thanksgiving Day games. Uh, when you when you listen to this for the first time, it might be just, you know, tomorrow's game. So um, the Buffalo Bills uh, head to Detroit. They're actually just staying in Detroit because there was such a, a, catas- <laughs> a catastrophic snowstorm in in uh, western uh, New York this this week, um, last week. Uh, and, and so they faced the Detroit Lions, the Lions. Fresh off of three consecutive wins, restoring the roar. Ben, it's happening. We believe. No respect given to the Lions here. The Bills are laying ten on Pinnacle, minus one hundred three to the Bills, minus one ten to the Detroit Lions. Um, ten seems like a lot, Ben. I know the Lions aren't that good, and I know 
the Bills are sort of in the, you know, kind of with Kansas City, one of the two best teams in the NFL, but 10 a lot to, to give give up in an NFL game. And there's a lot, you know, early, especially on the road, Detroit maybe has a little bit more of a home field advantage on Thanksgiving. I'm not quite sure how you handicap that or not, but like tens a lot. The, the, the reasoning for why Buffalo can get there, I would say is, you know, Detroit defensively. Right. And the question becomes like, can Jared Goff keep up with uh, a Josh Allen led offense that is hitting out all cylinders, especially, you know, if Detroit's putting out, you know, the worst secondary in the NFL. I think they rank 32nd in, you know, coverage grade from PFF's perspective so far. Lose Jeffrey Okuda for this matchup as well. So it's going to be, you know, uh, 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 I would say a pretty big mismatch with both Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. One or two chunk plays go for them. Maybe that's how they cover. But, uh, you know, Goff's always live to get through the back door. So I think 10 is you know, way too much in this perspective. I think if I like anything in this matchup, uh, I'm hoping and praying for a shootout early on. And I do think, you know, Josh Allen over 2.5 passing touchdowns plus 150 price or so like that. That's the spot where I really want to buy into a Buffalo successful offensive setup throughout the entire game. And I think that gets there uh, if Josh Allen doesn't end up running in one of the touchdowns uh, himself, I would say. So I don't know. That's the only real read I have on it. Are you playing? Are you playing Detroit? Have you already played Detroit? Uh, I think I'll play Detroit at plus ten for sure. I'll put that right. into my my bet stamp. Uh, what about the and, what about the money line? Are you going to play the money line? Uh, I mean, look, the, I do think I, Detroit. It still has an outside chance to win five of the last seven and, and get to above five hundred on the year. Um, I I don't know if I can if I can go ahead can and take one. money line here. Um, but I do like Amon Ross St. Brown over seven and a half catches at like plus one ten as well. If you can look at the prop market in that game, that's a bet I do like. Um, Fast forwarding a big game. This takes you back to flashbacks of Lawrence Taylor uh, winning games by himself, intercepting uh, passes, running them back, touchdown, sacking quarterbacks. The, the New York Giants, fresh off of a loss at home to the beloved Detroit Lions last week. They go to Dallas. Um, they're getting nine and a half minus one hundred one uh, for you know. So it's kind of similar spread basically here. Uh, Cowboys juiced minus nine and a half total on the game forty five and a half. The Cowboys. You know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, one week they they blow a 14-point lead on the road uh, to the Green Bay Packers. The next week they blow out Minnesota in in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, they come home. This is a game, you know, the Giants lost to Dory Jackson on a punt return. They lost Wondell Robinson. Uh, they already don't have great skill position players out of Sikwan right. Barkley, and Barkley went 15 for 24 uh, against the Lions. Like, this is a clear, to me, Dallas or pass. Uh, I just think the Giants just don't have enough going for them. Dable, a great coach, uh, but I think the Cowboys outclass the New York Giants here, right, Ben? Yeah, I think the Cinderella story is a little bit up for the New York Giants at this point. Part of it was, you know, the fact, like you said, like they just don't have a ton from the skill positions. Wandell Robinson, I would say definitely flashed in week 11, but the fact that he's now out, you know, it, it is very concerning. They're going to be led by, you know, Darius Slayton, basically, who has had some yards after the catch type ability, but I think that's more been based on some missed tackles uh, more so than his actual skill set. So it's concerning, right? I think that, uh, you know, going into last week's game, I would have thought that this was a place that I would definitely be playing the Giants. But after their injury situation on Sunday, like they were kind of ravaged by injuries all across the board. Offensive line, like you said, Adoree Jackson in the secondary, like they, they they don't have a lot left here, in my opinion. So uh, it'll be interesting. I think it will be a big testament to Brian DeBull if they don't actually kind of lay over here on Thursday, but uh, it's just a spot that I don't really want to get involved in. So I don't, I don't really love 
I would say anything in this matchup right now. I have looked a little bit at the prop market. It's kind of light right now, but that's this is this is this is the game where I uh, kind of expect things to get out of hand. Might be the spot where you want to eat some turkey or something like that and get away from the TV or something. I don't know. Do you have do you have a play on this one? Maybe CD Lamb over five point five receptions or something. Yeah, is that the spot? That, to that's be in? the one I was thinking about for one of the shows that I'm doing on that day. Um, but I agree, this is a take a nap during the game sort of play. Although last year. The Vegas Raiders went into Dallas, not similarly underdog. I think we were maybe seven and a half point dogs. They won outright. Um, But we get the Sunday night game. Um, New England, fresh off of a seven point cover, you know, win against the Jets where both teams had three points until the last 30 seconds of the game. Um, They go on the road to Minnesota, 42 and a half is the total. The Vikings are favored by two and a half, uh, minus 109. This started, I think this opened three and a half. It's been bet down significantly. And I think a lot of this has to do with what I like on this game, which is like, I don't think the Vikings are going to be able to score that much in this game. Um, Matthew Judon's leading the NFL in sacks. They have a good, you know, just a defense that I think is going to be able to take advantage of the fact that Christian Derrissaw is not playing left tackle for the Vikings. Um, There are no NFL players on the interior of the Vikings offensive line. Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, and Ed Ingram are all terrible. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins is terrible when he has to face pressure. And the defense, I think, got a little bit exposed the other day um, against Dallas. I like 42 and a half under here, minus 104. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, the concern, kind of like you said, is I don't think the Vikings defense is all that great, right? They've been in the right place at the right time and gotten some big interceptions in crucial spots. But outside of that, they've been, I would say, uh, a little bit lackluster, especially in the secondary. You know, Zadarius Smith banged up. Daniel Hunter definitely hasn't been there, I would say, from a pressure perspective, kind of like we, you know, thought he could be back when he was kind of living out uh, his best life in his heyday. So I'm concerned about the Vikings defensively, but uh, I think you got to be more concerned about the New England Patriots offense as well. No real signs of life from Mac Jones either. I know they had the two missed field goals with Nick Folk last weekend uh, that would have helped them beat the Jets and wouldn't have necessarily needed to have that punt return touchdown. But it's it, it's a spot where this is, you know, uh, kind of tough to play. I think that the, that the handicap for me seems to be that everyone thinks that this is essentially going to be you know, a very similar match for the Minnesota Vikings offensively, right? You look at the pressure rate, Cowboys first, Patriots second, like the Patriots are going to have the same success and the, and the Vikings are going to live in third and long and not have anything to do with it, which that could happen. But uh, I think the, the, the coverage scheme for what the Patriots are going to put forth is actually going to open up some things for Justin Jefferson. And I think that if him and TJ Hawkinson, you know, can, can find some space over the middle that the, the, the Vikings might be able to alleviate the concerns that a lot of people have, you know, on their offensive line. And if that happens, uh, I, I think this would be a bounce back spot for the Vikings. But uh, like you said, the, the concern is obviously the pressure, you know, impacts Kirk Cousins to the point where this is just a, you know, dysfunctional offense for the second straight week. But I, I think if, you know, I'm playing anything, I will probably get on board with the Vikings minus two and a half, half to, I guess. And then Justin Jefferson over 6.5 receptions. I like, I like this matchup specifically in the secondary for Justin Jefferson a lot more than I did last week. So uh, I think he's, targeted more frequently underneath uh, and, and has a couple of explosive plays after the catch. And if he does that, uh, I think the Vikings are going to actually probably win this one relatively easily. Very good. If you like the Patriots, I think the the best of it is already gone. You could have gotten right. over a field goal at some point. So it really is, I think from a spread perspective, a layoff situation, unless you like the Vikings and, right. and maybe there's a, a bounce back in store for Kevin O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell, by the way, this is a Kevin O'Connell revenge game. He was drafted by, 
Bill Belichick's Patriots in the third round, uh, you know, 15 years or so ago. Uh, I so mean, Kevin O'Connell revenge game. Um, okay. I got to say one thing, though. I mean, the, if you like the Kevin O'Connell coach of the year candidacy tickets, like this is this is kind of the spot you need, right? Like a response after getting your teeth kicked in a little bit. Everyone kind of saying this is going to be the exact same game script as we saw, you know, one week ago where they couldn't do anything, block anybody or have any functioning offense. So if they come out and showcase a little bit, uh, I would say get the get the Kevin O'Connell tickets out for just a little bit longer or keep the tickets, as some wise men would say, out or something like that. Right. So. Yeah, very easy schedule down the stretch. So I do think that there is an opportunity for him to still make good on that coach of the year. You're going to need a couple floppier games out of Sirianni uh, as well. Um, but but that is that's certainly uh, in the cards uh, for this one, as they say. Okay, moving on to Sunday. This is a rematch of a 1991 playoff game. This is a... This is a game that I don't think either one of us thought would be a game between two NFC possible playoff teams, but it is. The Atlanta Falcons go to Washington to play the Washington Commanders. The Commanders are favored by about four, minus four and a half is plus one or two, total on game 41 and a half. Ben, what do you think of this game? I mean, I will say that I cannot make sense of what's happening with the Taylor Heineke led Washington Commanders. Uh, I, I know the spreads in their direction. Falcons are just, uh, I would say, not in a state in which I want to back them whatsoever. So I think if you're playing it, you know, you definitely didn't get the best of the number. But uh, I think it's kind of Washington or bust for me on this one. And I can't really explain really well why I why I say that. But uh, I'm not really backing the Falcons. So I think it's maybe a little bit more of a fade on that. But I don't know. I, I, I still can't make sense of what's happening in Washington with Taylor Heineke and his PFF grade and everything else. But they are, you know, winning football games and they definitely rallied around him. And Ron Rivera. And, you know, I, I think that makes them at least, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a dark horse candidate or at least, a, you know, a pretty decent shot, I would say, to get into the NFC playoffs right now. And if they do that, you know, who knows what's going to happen at that point? Yeah, it, it's such an interesting story. I think if you, Washington gets a seven and five preseason win total of seven and a half. I know we bet that when we were in Iowa then at the very beginning of the summer, uh, some people even have a straight eight and a half. Uh, on the commanders, like it's, it's within reach for them. They have two games against the giants consecutively right. uh, that are sandwiched a buy relatively soon. So things are looking up for the commanders here. Um, third straight year under Ron Rivera, they started slow and end up around six and six at this time of the year. So it's kind of characteristic of them. The, the last Sunday game I want to talk about, Ben, this one is a rematch of, also of a divisional playoff game. This one is from last year, the Cincinnati Bengals who won their first road playoff game in the history of their franchise just last january in tennessee they go back they are minus 129 on the money line tennessee plus 116 uh total on the game 43 uh this is one where i i want to say that the Bengals are outclassing the titans i really really do i i they're they you know even without higgins even without chase higgins is so good boyd's good offensive lines finding their finding themselves a little bit burrow is mm-hmm playing fantastic football. The defense, I think, is stronger than we believe. But there's always just something the Titans do that helps them win games like this. So, Ben, what do you think about this one? 
Yeah, it's another one, you know, kind of like we said with Washington, there's uh, something that you can't necessarily quantify with the Titans or or Washington, but they they, they find wins to they five. They find ways to win some of these gritty, scrappy type games. Right. And I think that, you know, Tennessee specifically, everyone's going to point to, you know, the nine sacks they had against Joe Burrow last year when they matched up uh, and the fact that they're going to probably be able to do that once again. And if they get Derrick Henry going early, like they they could very much pull this home, this home victory out. But I don't know. I think, you know, I, I'm I'm not counting out Jamar Chase yet. I still think he's I think he's questionable. I think he could trend towards playing if he does. Uh, you know, the 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 Titans secondary specifically quite banged up. No, you know, uh Fulton's questionable, Molden's questionable as well. I think, you know, uh losing Caleb Farley as well. Like they they don't really have the depth at the wide at the cornerback position, I would say, to kind of compete with you know, a, a fully functioning Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver unit. So that's the, that's the spot that I'm playing. I understand all the narratives with Tennessee, but uh, I think I have to fade them one more week. Go with, go with the team that got me here uh, and, and take Cincinnati, I guess. But uh, it sounds like I'm probably opposite you in that, in that line of thinking in that, uh, in that bet here coming up in week 12 or not. Yeah. I'm just laying off the game. I think all entirely, but I do think it's an important game to talk about just because, you know, it matters. Um, it matters in the AFC standings. I mean, the Bengals have such a hard schedule moving forward here. They probably need to win this game. Um, whereas with, with Tennessee, like, you know, Indy's kind of plucky right now. Jacksonville right. has, you know, good underlying metrics, but they haven't won enough games at three and seven. Uh, you know, they're kind of, you know, in a position where they're ba- more battling for the one seed like they were last year than they are battling for another AFC West or AFC South title. I'm sorry. Okay. Speaking of battling for a title, we just had the college football playoff rankings come out. Um, we have two big 10 teams in the top three uh, TCU. As far as odds here on pinnacle, we have Georgia minus 140. They're favorites to repeat. Uh, Ohio state is plus 250. And then it's a huge chasm. Uh, Michigan is 12 to 1, TCU 14 to 1, TCU with a really funny walk-off win against Baylor in Baylor last week that kept them alive here. Clemson 20 to 1, USC 25 to 1. Again, USC, much to our chagrin, beats UCLA uh, close last week. LSU 41, Oregon 55 to 1, North Carolina 80 to 1. This is the weirdest group after the top two that I've ever right. seen. And it's going to get worse, right? Because Michigan is going to Ohio State this weekend right. and getting seven and a half. Um you know, Georgia, I think is is gonna is gonna coast here. Uh, ben, what do you think? Is, is there a playable play here? Or is it I mean, is it just square to say, look, lay the 140 with Georgia. They're a house. And I don't see anybody like, you know, I, I pray that Ohio State gets knocked off by Michigan. Or or somebody else in the in the you know in the in the Big Ten title game and and Georgia doesn't even have to see them or is there an, an underlying undervalued team that you like? Yeah, I mean I I just don't think that you you don't gain enough I would say by betting one of these under the radar type teams right now right I think USC very public team you know I would say slim chance that they get into the college football playoff TCU even if they get into the college football playoff are they even gonna you know they're gonna be at, at least two touchdown underdogs to any of the other three teams that they face off against. Right. So like neither of those plays I would say are, are all that great unless you're trying to, you know, milk a little value off of just getting into the college football playoffs. So I think it's Georgia or bust. I'm fine being square in that spot. I do think they are, you know, clearly the best team in college football. Uh, you know, I think they're better than Ohio state by a decent margin. Uh, I think Ohio state handles business here, but we'll see what they actually, you know, do with this match against Michigan this weekend. If, 
like Michigan covers, you know, are, are they both going to get in, you know, with an, with an Ohio state uh, big 10 title or not? I'm not quite sure, but uh, I think it's Georgia or Boston. I just don't really like any other team enough or think they can even come close to beating Georgia enough times in order to, you know, find any other value in any other bet, I would say at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's, let's close here um, by looking at college football. I do want to talk about one game that's on Thursday because that is our national holiday in the States. Uh, the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State goes to Mississippi. Mississippi favored by two and a half, um, a cheaper two and a half. Total on the game, 59 and a half. Ben, I know what the PFF model says. I know what you're going to say. Give me a reason for why we should back Mississippi in this spot. I don't I mean... <laughs> I like the under in this game. I think that's probably the only spot I'd really want to get involved in. Ole Miss, they, I can take it or leave it out with them, I would say right now. I don't know. They, It's been, uh, you know, a little bit of a struggle, I would say. You know, I don't know. I, I don't really have a great reason for why I'd want to back Ole Miss. I'd, I'm curious to hear your your bullish case on, uh, on them unless you are, you know. I think uh, they rally. I think they rally behind Lane Kiffin and, like, the the allegations that he's leaving. Uh, Mississippi State has been a team, you know, with, with Mike Leach. It just hasn't been. It hasn't shown out as well. Right. Yeah, it hasn't been the most uh, clean uh, you know, a uh, set of games in the world for them. Um, they're, they're, they're plucky. I, I do agree that the spread should be short, but I do think, I do think Ole Miss wins this game outright. Uh, and as such, like as you know, the one and the two in college football aren't worth that much. I, I think right. we lay it there. I do um, think, the game, I, I do think Jackson Dart is the better quarterback. I would say more so than Will Rogers at this point. I mean, Rogers has flashed a little bit, but uh, I think Dart offers enough with his running game as well, that this should maybe be a spot where the rebels are, up early so yeah one for the road here um western kentucky laying seven against florida atlantic i think the hilltoppers have been just so good this year uh, i know that they got beat by auburn last week and didn't cover but they hung in that game for basically a whole half uh, i i like the spunk there um that's my one game for the road here for college football ben is there anyone that appetizes you at all oh it appetizes me at all i don't know i am I, I thought you were maybe going to bring up the uh, the Friday game we have at kickoff here, Cincinnati versus your Tulane Green Wave, because I don't know. I, I think there's a little bit of value on Cincinnati. I think I've been opposite Tulane for the past like three weeks has not yeah. worked out well so far, but right. I, I might go to the well for one more round here with the Cincinnati Bearcats. I don't know. Is that a, have you have you uh, done anything with this spread or are you just, you know, completely no, I, avoiding I think, your hometown team? I think it's reasonable. I actually kind of want to go to the game, but I probably won't. Um, the, the, the couple of games that are interesting to me, in addition to this one, if we're just going to bring those up, you know, Coastal Carolina already has a spot in their conference title game wrapped up. They're also playing a backup quarterback. I do think that James Madison at minus 13 and a half is an interesting line, given all those things. Right. Uh, and then lastly, uh, but certainly not leastly, my Nebraska Cornhuskers getting 11 in Iowa. I, I mean, this game might like end 10, three. So like, I don't know. Take take it with Nebraska, and they cover. They should have beat Wisconsin for the first time in forever last week, but we're unable to. So uh, a fun week of, of of NFL and college football, Ben. I, I'm it's so fun to do this podcast with you still, uh, even though now we work for different companies. But uh, th- this was the NFL Insights podcast for another week uh, at Pinnacle Podcast on all the platforms to follow and keep up to date on all Pinnacle's latest shows and Pinnacle's World Cup 2022 Insights powered by InfoGo for in-depth analysis as the Soccer World Cup kicked off early this week. 
Please keep across Pinnacle.com's page for the latest betting insights, including Mark Taylor's Team of the Week, Pinnacle's Weekly NFL Predictions article, and NCAA College Football Predictions. So for Ben Brown, at EFF underscore Ben Brown, this has been Eric Eager, at Eric Eager. Uh, this has been the NFL Insights Podcast, uh, brought to you by Pinnacle Sports. 